You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing good. But if you want to um, take your seats, we're going to open God's Word. It's great to see such good community happening across the room. Who's excited this morning to hear God's Word? God's Word is it's, uh, powerful and it, I believe, can change lives when, when we hear it and when we let it touch our lives and uh, come inside of us. And, moves in our hearts and changes things. So I'm, I'm excited today that for the privilege that it is to come and bring God's Word to you. But um, last, uh, last Sunday, um, our kids, uh, some of you know our kids, we've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, it's quite condensed, very busy in our house, as you, as you can kind of imagine. But the, the six-year-old and the eight-year-old have started testing us a little bit in that they, they now want to go and play out on the street. And obviously, you have that, you know, Pastor Ben's just shared about letting Asher go across waters to Cambodia. But um, our challenge at the moment is that, that, that process of letting your kids go out on the street, slightly out of sight, and hoping that they're going to be okay. Now, we live on a fairly safe street. There's not a lot of, fr- well, there's no free traffic because it's a, a cul-de-sac. But um, it's still, something inside of you feels like this, this, is, a, this is a challenge. And um, last Sunday, I went out to kind of find them to tell them it was time to come back in, and they had gone missing. Nowhere to be seen. I was walking up and down the street, went back inside, shouted, Hannah, told her, I told you this was a bad idea, you, you know. And um, it turns out that our kids had uh, found a birthday party that was happening on the street in, in the house of a family that we don't know, but somehow had managed to invite themselves inside the house of this birthday party. So we had all these kind of conversations about you don't go in strange people's houses, uh, even if they're having parties. It's just, it's just not, not done. But, um, you know, in those moments... Your, your heart kind of just starts to pound in your chest and you have a moment where you kind of think like, what's going on? And you know, I don't know about you, but as a nation, as a world at the moment, we're, we're having a lot of those kind of moments, aren't we? Like a what's going on moment. Um, social commentators are saying that, that we are living through some of the most unstable times in, in recent history. There's a lot of instability in the world. There's a, a lot of things changing and a lot of things happening. But I'm so thankful today that as Christians, we get to say the words that God is on the throne and he is in control. You know, I want to remind you today that um, God has, through his word, shown us a pattern that that all through history, of thousands of years of history that we read through throughout the Bible, is that it kind of doesn't really matter what's going on in the world. Not that we need to like inoculate ourselves to reality, but it kind of doesn't really matter what's going on in the world when God's on the throne because God can do anything he wants to do in any situation he, he wants, to, wants to do it. And he's established this pattern of, of working in amazing ways through hopeless looking situations. He's established a pattern of working through the most impressive and hopeless situations unimpressive and hopeless situations. 
Now, if we look back to the beginning of the Bible, we look at the creation narrative, we see that we serve a God who, who created everything out of nothing. You know, when God was there, I mean, I can barely imagine it, but you know, there, was, there was no world, there was, there was, there was nothing, and, and God spoke, and everything that we see today came into existence. The stars in the sky, the planets, the trees, the, the, sun, the sun in the sky, the, the oceans, the clouds, the, the rivers, the, the, the islands, you know, everything that we see, God called into being. You see, so if we serve a God who can create everything out of nothing, then it kind of changes my perspective, if you like, on some of the situations that we go through in life. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the pa his power that's at work within us. You see, God can do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. You see, our God is not contained by human economies, rising or falling markets, although they do impact our lives. You know, our God is not contained by physics. He's not contained by time. He's, he's not bound by earthly limitations or borders. He's, you know, he's, he's above political parties. He's above powers. He's above prime ministers, kings, and presidents. He's above all of our earthly struggles. And you know, he's not surprised by the challenges that we go through. He's not surprised by our sin. He's not surprised by our inner ugliness. He's not surprised by the, the things that we don't see. And yet the, the beautiful story of the Bible is that God has chosen to work through the chaos and bring and fashion out, out of it something that is beautiful. So I don't say that to send you into some kind of ignorant, sleepy bliss where we just be like, everything's fine, where, where reality is just something that we forget about. But I say it to give you a confidence that, that God... God has got this. God's got your life. And if you give your life to God, you can know and believe and, and walk in the confidence that, that that gives you. So I hope that encourages you today. But if you're a bit unsure about this pattern that I've been talking about from the Bible, we could look at Moses in the Old Testament. You see, Moses was someone who was um, sent to go to Pharaoh. Moses was, was a man who said, hey God, I can't even speak. Can you not send someone else? But God said, no, you go to Pharaoh and, and you tell him that I am has sent you. So he sent this man who didn't have confidence in his ability. He didn't have confidence in his, in his ability to speak, to go to Pharaoh, the highest authority in the world at the time, and tell him to let his people go. You see, God works in unusual ways. You know, God went to Gideon. Gideon was hiding away in a wine press, and he called him out, and he established him as a mighty warrior. And Gideon led his people to victory. You know, God can do amazing things through the unlikely people. You know, when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel, he went to Jesse, and Jesse brought out all of his sons, and, you know, the, the ones that looked like natural leaders, the ones who looked like they would fit, fit the mold of king. But it wasn't any of those that God chose. It was, it was David, the youngest, who was out tending the sheep. This is what 1 Samuel 16, 7 says. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. The people look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You know, God doesn't look always at the strength of us. He looks at our heart. You know, or you could go to... 
to Paul in the New Testament, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, where, where he, he says this, Brothers and sisters, think of what many of you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You know, he's really encouraging them there, isn't he? He says, But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. You know, if you're feeling today a little bit uninfluential, if you're if your lack of a noble birth is, is bothering you today, or you know, if you're feeling a little bit foolish today, or if you're feeling a little bit weak today, you know, you can have a confidence that God will choose you if you give your life to Him and work amazing things through you. Or we could go to the disciples, which is where I really want to focus my time today, uh, and look at the disciples' lives. This is what it says in Acts 4, chapter, Acts chapter 4, 13. The crowd were talking about Peter and John. It says they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, the disciples, they were described as ordinary. They were described as, as unschooled. And you know, these two, there's two words that I want to just hone in on for a moment before we move on that, that describe the disciples. One is the word ordinary, which is from the, the passage in Acts. And the other one is the word foolish from the passage in 1 Corinthians. Both words used to describe followers of Jesus. The first one is this in Acts chapter 4.13, the word ordinary. You might see it come up on the screen, hopefully. And we're going to go on a bit of a deep dive through the, into the original language and hopefully you'll appreciate why we're doing this. But the word ordinary literally means in the original language, idiot. <laughs> there you see, in the Greek it's idiotes. In the NIV they gave the word ordinary. In the King James Version they gave the word ignorant. But you could also have the word idiot. So the disciples it was saying, unschooled. Ordinary, you know, idiots. They were, there was nothing special about them. Now, some of you are reading on and laughing already. But then the next one, the word foolish, comes from the word moros, which is the, the root word of the word moron. <laughs> See, are you getting it today that God can do anything he wants to do with anyone he wants to do it? So if you're feeling a little bit foolish this morning, if you're feeling a little bit ordinary this morning, no deeper meaning intended, <laughs> know this, that God can use you. God can use you. He repeatedly chooses the ordinary uh, to stop writing yourselves off. God wants to, wants to use you and he will use you. He has a plan for your life. But we wanna, I want to focus around the disciples for the rest of the time that, that I have with you today. Because the disciples were ordinary. They, they were 
fishermen. They were, they were tax collectors. They weren't the, the schooled people. They, they weren't from the best universities. But obviously, God did some phenomenal things through them. So there's something about the relationship the disciples had with Jesus that I want us to, to get hold of today. You know, a diamond has lots of faces and lots of sides to it. Some say that a diamond can have up to 52 facets. And whenever you look at a diamond from a, a different angle, you get a different reflection and a, a different look at the kind of beauty of it. And you see, the disciples connected their lives to Jesus in lots of different ways, through lots of different avenues. And if you like, what I want to do today is I want to look at three different ways that we can connect our lives to Jesus. And as we do, uh, I pray that we would, we would grow in our walk with God and grow in our authenticity of our relationship with him today. But the first way the disciples connected with Jesus is that they followed him. The disciples followed Jesus. There's no uh, deep meaning in this word follow. It literally means that they followed him. They went wherever he went, they went. You see, there's no, nothing more to it than that. And we know that the disciples literally followed Jesus everywhere they went because often Jesus needed some time on his own and often he would disappear off to just spend some time with himself and his father. So we know that they literally followed him wherever he went. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 4 about how the, how the disciples followed Jesus. It says, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw his two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. You know, the idea is that we should be people who follow Jesus. You know, in the modern world of social media, when we look on Instagram, you, I don't know how many followers you have on Instagram, but the, the word follower in, in the modern word is kind of just meaning somebody that might follow you on Instagram. Maybe they see some of the pictures of, of what you're up to. Maybe you're here today and you think, I follow a few celebrities on Instagram. And you might describe yourself as a follower. You know, you know the kind of things that, that the people you follow get up to. You know the kind of places that they go to. You know what car they've got. You know how many children they've got. You know roughly where they live. You might describe yourself as a follower. But in the Bible, the word follower is, is much, has a much deeper meaning. This is not just a vague interest in the life of Jesus. This is an all-out, all-in pursuit of Jesus. This is, I'm leaving everything, and I'm now following you. I think a better way maybe to describe the uh, followers on social media is more like fans. You know, I might be a fan of somebody. I might like someone's work. I might like the things that they say. I might like the things that they do. But I'm hardly what you could describe as being a follower from a Bible perspective. You know, you might know about someone that you follow on social media, but you maybe don't know them, and they perhaps probably don't know you. You know, there, there is a difference between knowing about someone and knowing them. You know, we can know about Jesus, 
You know, he was born around 2,000 years ago. He, he started his ministry at age 30. You know, you, you know about some of the things he did, the changing the, the water into wine, one of his first miracles. You know, you know, he died on a cross, and you know that he was baptized by John the Baptist. You can know facts about Jesus, and it's good to know facts about Jesus, but that's knowing about Jesus. But then there's knowing Jesus. And we're called to be people who don't just know about Jesus, but know Jesus. You know, growing up in school, obviously, you know, in, in our education system, you'd learn about religions, you'd learn about, about Jesus, you'd learn some of the stories of Jesus. But when I was 16, 17, I first, I gave my life to Jesus, and I re started to realize that following Jesus is not just about knowing facts about him, but it's about knowing him. And for him, also knowing you. You know, in the world of celebrities, if, if fans start to try and become followers, you might find yourself getting a restraining order. <laughs> but in the world of faith, when, if you become a follower, you get to walk with Jesus. You know, you get to do the things he does. You get to go to the places he goes to and, and, and see miracles happen. You know, when you follow Jesus, it's like the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and lives inside of you and everything about your life, everything in your life changes. There really is no greater thing. You know, in Acts chapter 4, when, when the crowd were commenting on Peter and John, it wasn't their education that they, that they noticed. It wasn't the smart facts that they came out with that, that really stood them out from the rest of them. Remember, it was the fact that they had been with Jesus. They took note that they had been with Jesus. You know, when you get with Jesus, when you follow Jesus, everything changes. It's a personal encounter with Jesus. It's walking with him. It's hearing him with, with your own ears, seeing him with your own eyes. And that's what, the, that's what the disciples experienced. And that was the foundation of their ministry. That's what, that's what enabled them to write the New Testament. The fact that they had been followers of Jesus. Every point I kind of bring today has a, has a little question that goes with it, a little challenge for you. And the question with this point is this, that are you someone who is a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Is he someone you follow? Is he someone who you allow to lead you? Moving on in the story from verse 23, it says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. It says news about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all those who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. You know, it was exciting. Stuff was going on. The disciples had said yes to following Jesus. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of this crowd with people coming in from all surrounding regions. And Jesus is healing people. He's, he's calling out demons from people. He's releasing people. And you know, sometimes the busyness of the crowd can, can kind of be a little bit representative of, of our lives, can't it? You know, in this crowd, there was lots of stuff going on, lots of good stuff going on. People were being healed. Ministry was happening. Growth was happening. This was good. 
I think if, if I was in this crowd, I'd be like, right, let's think of how we can, uh, how we can grow this even further. Let's get these, all these people into life groups and, and get them signed up to this, get them serving on a team. You know, let's, let's build this church. Let, let's, um, let's see what can happen. You know, and sometimes the busyness of life can kind of overcome us. The busyness of the crowd can overcome us. Maybe it's the busyness of our social media feed. It can overcome us. And, and the crowd of life starts to come around us and squashes in from every side. Constant demands, things to do, people to see, problems to solve. But I love what Jesus did. It says when in 5 chapter 1, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to, them, came to him and he began to teach them. You see, Jesus removed himself from the crowd. And you might think, what? He took himself away from all those people that needed healed. He took himself away from all of those people that wanted to hear. But yeah, you see, Jesus often removes himself from the busyness to pursue a greater purpose. You know, and, and the disciples went with him as well. You see, he wasn't running away. He wasn't isolating himself for no reason. He was taking himself away to do something of greater purpose. And the Bible says that his disciples came to him. And sometimes when we read this passage, we imagine that all of the crowd came up the mountain with Jesus. But if we read it closely, if we read it, if we read it, as, it, as it's written, it says it was just his disciples that came with him. And he sat down and he began to teach them. You see, sometimes as disciples, we, we like the crowd. We like the spectacle. We like all of the stuff that's going on. But the question is, are we willing to be people who sometimes separate ourselves to have a greater pursuit of God? Think of Mary and Martha. I forget which way around they were. One of them was busy in doing tasks, which, you know, obviously that's important. But the other one was at the feet of Jesus. You see, the disciples, they were willing to climb the mountain. They climbed the mountain with Jesus. They, they left the crowd and they sat at the feet of Jesus and put themselves in a place where they could learn and they could grow. Yesterday I was, I was in the Lake District and we, we were up, up on a mountain looking down over, over Keswick, looking down over this, um, over this town. We had a view of that town that we would never have had from the valley bottom, from the valley floor. But it was hard work to climb up. It was hard work to carve out that time. And just as, just as when we're following Jesus, it can sometimes be hard work to put aside the busyness of life to do the greater tasks of prayer, do the greater tasks of learning. You see, the disciples, they were intentional about learning and they were intentional about growing. You know, one of the, the most common titles to describe Jesus in the Bible was that of teacher. You know, he was a person who taught everywhere he went. He did, yes, he did miracles. Yes, he had good meals and, and hung out with people and, and did social things. But one of the primary tasks of Jesus that he had was to be a teacher. You see, the disciples, by saying that I'm going to climb the mountain with you, they were saying to Jesus, I'm, I'm not just in it for the spectacle, but I'm going to allow you to be my teacher as well. 
You know, and the fact that Jesus spends a lot of time teaching, I think should give us a clue as disciples that maybe we should spend some time learning. Would you think? If Jesus spends a lot of time teaching, maybe we should spend a lot of time in the process of learning. You know, this is so key because what we learn determines what we believe. This is Romans 10 that was mentioned before, just unpacked in a slightly different way. You see, what you hear and what you learn will determine what you believe. And taking it a little bit further, what you believe will determine how you behave. Because our behavior in life is, is built on our belief system. And then what we be, how we behave determines the life that we live, it determines the world that we get to live in. It really is foundational stuff. Jesus modeled it so well for us. He, he made a priority himself of learning. You know, if anybody could escape the task of learning, you'd like to think it would be Jesus, wouldn't you? You know, the, the very son of God. But Luke 2.52 says he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and in favor with man and God. You see, Jesus himself even needed to grow in these things. He needed to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with man and God. You know, Jesus had a trade. He was a carpenter. He spoke in three languages. He, he had an inside and out understanding of the Old Testament. He, his knowledge of, of the scriptures was profound. Because he explained, what, you know, when he teaches, he explained things in such a simple manner. And what that really demonstrates is that he personally had a profound knowledge of the Bible. So our Savior himself modeled it for us. You know, if Jesus spent so much time teaching, maybe we need to, as disciples, adopt a teachable disposition. You know, if you struggle today reading the Bible, you know, I know getting yourself in the routine of reading God's Word, it's not easy, it's hard. But if you're going to get serious about it, why don't you make a plan? Why don't you get yourself a, a Bible reading plan? There's so many out there. You know, if you want to grow in God, maybe read other helpful books, engage in helpful discussions through, through things like life groups with, with people about the questions you might have about faith. Be people who ask questions. Be people who, who surround, them, surround yourselves by people who know more about things perhaps than you do. Because none of us are experts in everything. We all need to get around people that can help us grow. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly. You know, this is what happens when we commit to being people who learn. So the question that is associated with this point is this, is that do you, want, do you just want the miracles and the spectacle of Jesus, what we get in the crowd? Or will you also allow him to be your teacher? Will you allow him today to be your teacher? And I want to move into my final point now, and maybe as I do, if the band could join me, that, that would be brilliant. But we've started in Matthew chapter 4. We've, we've looked at how Jesus called his disciples, and they said, yes, I'm going to be followers of Jesus. I'm going to go where you go. Do what you do. We've, we've read Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 1, which is the start of the Sermon of the Mount. And we've seen that the disciples committed themselves not just to be followers, but to be students of Jesus. And now we're going to kind of jump from Matthew 5 all the way into Matthew chapter 7 to the end of, of the Sermon of the Mount. So Jesus has done a, a lot of teaching with the disciples. And, and now in in chapter 7, verse 21, this is what he says to his disciples. And 
I think this is, this is really, really powerful and really challenging. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So just, we'll just pause there for a moment. And we see that doing the will of God is, is so important because Jesus says it here, doesn't he? He says, only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. But let's just read on for a moment. Let's go to, to verse 22. It says, many who say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So in other words, there's people who are saying, God, we've, we've done stuff for you. We've, we've worked for you. We've prophesied in your name. We've driven out demons, and in your name we've performed many miracles, all good-sounding stuff. And then in verse 23 it says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. And what I take from this passage, it's just another angle to how we connect to Jesus, is that it's perfectly possible to do the work of Jesus, but to not know Jesus. I'm just going to say that again. It's possible to do the works of Jesus, to prophesy in his name, to drive out demons, to serve on the welcome team, to serve on the kids team, to, to do all kinds of things for Jesus, but to not actually know Jesus. See, it's possible, just like it's possible to be a fan and not a follower, just like it's possible to to not climb the mountain of G with Jesus and become a student. It's possible to be a worker, but not a friend. And I believe today that I think Jesus wants us to be workers, but I think more than that, I think he wants us to be friends. He wants us to delight in him today and have a devotion towards him today. Henry Nguyen says this. He says, when our doing for God does not emerge from personal encounter, it quickly becomes tiring, routine, and boring. See, that's the definition of, of duty, of religious duty. And then he says, on the other hand, when our spiritual lives no longer lead to active doing, it quickly degenerates into introspection, into self-scrutiny, and loses its dynamism. In other words, it leads to an unhealthy isolationism. But healthy spirituality is this, that when our activity for God is balanced out with our time spent with God, when our doing for God is actually based on some substance of a, an active and living relationship with God. Is there any devotion in our doing? I find this, I find this passage so, so challenging. We're so activity focused, aren't we? We always have to be doing and, and almost like what Jesus is saying here is, look, it's not about just about what you do. I want to know you personally. I want for what you do to come out of the relationship I have with you. You know, this, this challenges me deeply, but practically everything that we do for Jesus, he can do himself. Isn't, that's true, isn't it? Brad, 
he was the one who threw the stars into space and created the entire world. And, and sometimes we get caught up in this trap of thinking that we are so important in it all. And I mean, let, let's just bit of balance for a moment. You know, God wants you to work for, for him. He wants to use you. He has chosen us. He's chosen us to be the light of the world. And what, what an uh, amazing privilege. But just let's hold that intention for a moment and remember that everything that we do for him, he can do for himself. But scripture is pretty clear that there's one thing that, that God doesn't do for us. And I don't want to say can't because that, you know, I who wants to say God can't do something? But I believe that God doesn't, and I think Scripture shows this, he doesn't pursue an active relationship on our behalf. I feel like I've kind of got myself caught up in circles here. In other words, he can't choose for you to follow him. He can't make that decision for you. He wants you to make that decision yourself. He can't determine that that we are gonna be followers and forced out upon us. He wants us to make that choice ourselves. Everything else he can do himself, but other than for us to make that decision to say, I want to know you, God. I want to know you, I want to, I want to follow you. You see, he wasn't impressed by people who did things for him, but didn't know him. No, today we can make a decision that we wanna be workers and friends. Not just, not just workers. Be known by, not simply do for. And just as we, as we pray now, as we kind of wrap up, I want to kind of give a time of, of response around, just around these, these three things. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you know about Jesus. Maybe you describe yourself as, as a fan. You, you like Jesus. You like what he stands for. Maybe you, you're fresh to church and you're new to this and you're thinking, I'm enjoying this. this. This is good and there's a lot of good in Jesus. But today, maybe the challenge that God will bring to you is this. Are you just going to be a fan or are you going to be a follower today? Are you going to be some, somebody that, that goes where he goes and, and does what he does and let, lets him uh, be your leader today? Second thing is this. Will you be a, a student of Jesus? Will you let him be your teacher? Or will you just be here for the spectacle? In other words, will you just be here for the things that God can do for you? Or will you allow yourself today to let Jesus speak to you and, and change things in your life? Will you let Jesus um, correct you? Will you let Jesus' word, God's word, the Bible, uh, bring challenge to you? Will you move past stubbornness that says no one can tell me what to do and allow Jesus through his word maybe to tell you some things about your lives today that would, would help you? So will you be a student and not just here for the spectacle? And finally, will you be a friend of Jesus? Someone who knows him. Someone who's known by him. Not just someone who does things for him. Maybe if you're here today and you're weary... Maybe you're here today and you're, and you're, you're burdened and, and you feel heavy and you feel, you feel tired. Maybe today you've been doing things in your own strength. And maybe the decision you need to make today is to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. 
I'm going to let him be my friend. I'm going to let him restore me. I'm going to spend time in his presence so that he can energize me to go out and do the work that I'm called to do for him. And all of this starts with Jesus being our Lord and our Savior. And if there's anyone here today who maybe for the first time says, I I want to let Jesus be my Savior. I want to become a follower of Jesus for the first time. I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want to be someone who, who sits at the feet of Jesus and lets him teach me. If that's you today, just while every eye is closed, I just want to invite you to raise your hand and then we can pray. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you desire a a deep, meaningful relationship with us. Not just surface level, not just superficial. God, you want more than fans. So God, today we determine that we're going to be followers of you. We're going to live our lives for you. And God, I pray today, God, that if anyone here is weary, anyone here is burdened from their doing, God, I pray that yeah, you would restore us, God, that you would come alongside us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.